So the theme for the retreat is how to live a successful life. Massive topic, and we're only going to be talking about it a couple of times. If, if you look at the dictionary definition of success, most people actually have a little bit of a unclear idea on on success it can be the or people often use the word succeed when they accomplished something or did something that they they set as a goal but yet, if you ask people, did you find success in that? People can go, well, I succeeded in doing what I set out to do, but I don't feel like I've been very successful. Right? I mean, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty major. So what I'd like to do is... Um, really separate these two ideas. You know, they have this saying, a means to an end. And often what people are talking about, or when they use the word, they succeeded in something, it's to do more, more with a kind of like a means. But when you get there, you may feel that you've wasted time and maybe that was a mistake. We see it more and more, unfortunately, with relationships in more modern times, meaning the last 50, 60 years. I mean, more than... Relationships are like massive thing in people's life. And yet, more than half of all so-called committed relationships end up been a disaster or maybe not a disaster but very unpleasant and people end up separating when you ask them at the time of getting together you know is this success most people would be jumping up and down yes I, this is the most wonderful thing <laughs> and you ask them what you know a year two years five years ten years later and it was just like, I hate that person. <laughs> it can be just like, well, you know, did you, did you succeed? And something as, as important and fundamental as this shows us that there's something wrong with our thinking, that we have often latch on to things that we think are going to be highly valuable and important 
and they turn out in the end to not deliver what what we expected or hoped for. And so this really opens the door to this whole question of, you know, how do we define what it is to have a successful life? So I'll begin by um, reading something I, I read. It was a few years ago. This woman wrote this amazing entry in a blog. And I, I thought it was amazing because it was so brutally honest and very heartfelt. And I think it really points to what it is that we're, we're addressing or talking about here. So the woman begins the blog. I have almost everything that people talk about when it comes to happiness. A good husband, a great job that I enjoy and pays me well. But here I am feeling all confused, blank, and painful. I feel numb, suffocate, and lifeless. For all the reasons I could think of, I should be grateful for the life I have and be happy about it. So we touching a chord with everyone here i mean this is uh, it it's i i am extremely thankful that she you know publicly posted these statements because it's like wow really important yes i am grateful but i am not happy I feel guilty for not being happy. I cannot talk to anyone. No one can understand. Even I can't understand. I'll just read that again and ask that we really internalize and think about this. Yes, I am grateful, but I am not happy. I feel guilty for not being happy. I cannot talk to anyone, but I can understand. I'm sorry, no one can understand. Even I can't understand. Everything is so quiet. All I can hear is my husband's breath and the sound of my wall clock. I feel so lonely. I feel like I am the only person in the world to have this feeling. This feeling overwhelms me. It eats me alive, and I find myself lost in it, piece by piece. I find myself pushing people away because I think they don't truly understand me. 
I try to build a thick wall around me to protect myself and my lonesomeness. Behind the wall, I have the whole world of my own, except there is nothing in that world. I know it is not healthy for me to stay in my world forever. I know it is time for me to break the wall, but I just don't know how. That was the end of her post. What's your reaction to that? Can you relate? I mean, portions of it in your own and our, our own lives. And so this really raises the question of what it means to have a successful life. We live in a time that I consider to be incredibly unfortunate. The ancient sages categorize this time in which we live, which is an extended period, as being the equivalent of a spiritual iron age. Iron as opposed to gold, silver, and copper. Iron is down there. <laughs> and they talk about the characteristics of this age, calling it an age of chaos, quarrel, and confusion. So we know the quarrel thing, that's like so obvious. Everybody fights at the drop of a hat. No? I mean, it's just like an over nothing stuff that's not even important. It's like people carry around all this baggage of bad feelings and stuff that they feel was done wrong to them. And then as soon as an opportunity opens, you know, you don't just deal with that little opportunity. It's time to drag out the baggage and throw it at someone. <laughs> and it becomes habitual. We, we, build these habits of how we respond to things. And it's like so destructive. And we're so out of it, we can't even see it. This is the state of being confused. We say and do things wanting to change the situation, but the way in which we say and do things cannot fix it. It can only make it worse. And that's our go-to. We keep going there. You know, this age of quarrel, chaos, and confusion. We have all the technology. But what we've seen is the technology simply magnifies the worst qualities of people. They manipulate and play on the divisiveness. They create and contribute. They don't create, but they contribute to the chaos and the quarrel and the confusion. And one of the things I find that's very troubling 
is we we are absolutely like on a and I'm talking about really major clarity here. We are unaware of how much we are being manipulated. How this massive experiment that began about a hundred years ago with consumerism, where people were told that through consumption alone, you will find happiness, that your life will find meaning, that you will be able to develop a strong self-identification, and you will find purpose and happiness through consumption. It's just like, oh my God, that message is mind-boggling. It, it's so powerful, and it has absolutely permeated society. They have taken, you know, their advancement in the exploration of psychology and dug deeper and deeper into it to learn all of the little things that trigger people to behave in certain ways and to do certain things. And, and we're just like constantly bombarded and, and we just, we don't even see it. We don't even see that many of the things that I, ideas that I have in my mind have been planted there by others. These false promises that your life will be successful if you only had this or did this, or experienced that, then your life will be incredibly successful. And that wonderful blog from that woman that we just read, where she says she has absolutely everything that anybody could want, and she can't figure out why she feels so alone and so unhappy. Is this a bit too heavy first thing in the morning, or are we okay with this? Huh? Feel free to get up and leave if it's too much. It's all right. I, I absolutely won't be offended. I would understand. I'm about ready to get up and leave just listening to myself. <laughs> Oh, but, you know, what we need is actually to find solutions. What is it that will make my life successful? How do we even define that? How do we sift through all the stuff that's been fed to us that we've come to mindlessly accept because everybody else is accepting it. And this woman, you know, in her honesty, says she feels so alone and nobody in the world can understand what's going on. I'm sorry, you are not alone, unfortunately. Many, many of the people in this world feel exactly the same. 
only they don't often talk about it or they don't dwell on it. You know, it's off to another movie or another TV show or another thing on my phone or another conversation or another attempt at a relationship to sort of bury it. Oh boy. So we've lived in this period of time where there is a massive dumbing down of the population. Dumbing down because we come to accept and embrace ideas that are fed to us that not only cannot produce real happiness, real fulfillment, real meaning to my life. I, I embrace it. And if I find it's not doing the trick, then I either turn up the volume or put a little Tabasco on it or something, a squeeze of lemon. Let's try a, a, a different variety of the same thing. And of course, we have all of the success merchants. I, I don't feel very charitably disposed, although I care about them. I don't feel very charitably disposed towards the success merchants who in the guise of a spiritual offering are just promoting materialism, that which cannot fulfill us. You've got all of these new trips that have been introduced, you know, manifesting. It's just like, oh my God. What does it matter, even, even if you actually had the capacity to manifest anything, if what you're manifesting is going to cause you harm rather than do you good? And so the success merchants want to really promote ways of getting what you desire. We've got a couple of problems with that. The first lies in what you desire. Who, the, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? That person deep inside. That person who is longing for fulfillment, purpose, and love. Who, who is that? You know, in, in, the, in the yoga system, in all forms of yoga, one of the primary things to achieve was the control of one's mind. That you... You should be the controller of your mind. That's an extraordinary idea because it recognizes the clear distinction between the mind and you, the person. 
the actual eternal spiritual being. And they talk about these two states where that spiritual being, you, are being victimized by your mind. And the other one is when you are utilizing the mind as an extension of yourself. It is a tool that you use. This is like a really deep, deep, deep idea. It's not a simple thing. But within this idea, we find, you know, um, well, a couple of, at least one declaration or two. One is the understanding from a spiritual platform is we are eternal spiritual beings, spiritual personalities. We are covered by two forms of covering. The gross physical body, this is called the sthula sarira. And this is what everybody can sort of like, you know, it's like when people are looking to fill up that empty space and they're looking around for someone. Everybody looks at the package. And if the package is beautifully wrapped with a ribbon on it, there is a thought that maybe what's inside is of great value. Without realizing it could be a dog turd. Nicely gift wrapped. Somebody can have the most extraordinary outer covering and be an absolute dick. <laughs> a, a real solid asshole. Sorry if that offends anybody. But yet they've got, this is, you know, this is the age of social media influences. And you've got young people aspiring to become an influencer. I weep. My heart breaks that somebody could be so shallow that they want to be a social media influencer. It's just like, oh my gods, you are heading for the most unfortunate and miserable condition. And the more successful, so-called successful you become, the more you will suffer. Because there will, you will come to the experience, like this woman in the blog, that none of this is actually doing anything for me. None of this is fulfilling me. And like the, the short clip that we watched last night, none of it is providing me with genuine wisdom, spiritual happiness, and spiritual love, which we desire very intently. Success merchants are people that dress up materialism in, in, 
with so-called so-called spiritual ideas and teach you how to send out your message to the universe so you can get what you desire. Number one, there's no idea in that statement who the hell you are. There is the assumption that this gross physical covering is who you are or the subtle body is called the linga sarira. It's made of the mind, the intelligence and the ahankara, the false concept of self. And it is understood from the yogic perspective that this is, this is the enemy. This is what stands between you and true happiness, ecstatic happiness and spiritual love. And therefore, there is the statement you can see in the Bhagavad Gita that the mind can be one's greatest friend or one's greatest enemy. That should be like, oh my God, that's, that's a massive wake-up. My own mind potentially can be my greatest enemy. So what I'm trying to steer the conversation towards is the need of having like a super clear definition of what success means. How am I going to define in my life success? And how am I going to sift through all of these desires or these things that I'm told I need and the things I should desire, and if I have them, I, my life will be successful. How do I sift through that and kind of like compartmentalize it, get it over here? And how do I have the, the clarity to actually come to know what is in my true best interest? And this is actually necessary in order to come to clearly establish your goals in life, that which will really deliver what it is that you desire and seek within your heart. They have a saying, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> when we are ignorant, we can develop, you know, wishes and desires that actually lead to our increased unhappiness. You know, I mentioned the first thing that a person has to come to understand. And, and this is, it, it, when you live in this understanding, you are actually enlightened. This is what self-realization means. When you live in the understanding and the experience of your eternal 
and true spiritual identity, the person that's sort of like, I'll use the term trapped within the body. I'm always a little bit overwhelmed because there's so many things to talk about and the, the, the time is so short. They do explain in yogic texts how the spiritual being, the spirit soul, the person, because of its proximity to a body and to the subtle body, the mind, it's like the mind and the body come to life. But actually, life is not a symptom of the body. It is the symptom of the presence of the spirit soul, the spiritual being. But what happens is the living being, you, you become overwhelmed by the material experience and begin to just chase the urges of the body and the mind thinking that this will make me happy. In this world, there are only two principal categories of energy. One is the material energy, which manifests in so many different ways. The other one is a spiritual energy. That is the living beings who have You know their presence by the symptom of life. Anything that appears to be alive will be, it's that way because of a spiritual being residing within it. The material energy, if we go down onto the, you know, the, the subatomic particle level, the material energy does not contain the quality of blissfulness. And so it doesn't matter how much of it you get and rub on your body or put into your body with, you know, through your ears, up your nose, through your mouth, you know, all the orifices of the body. It, it does not actually satisfy and fulfill you. It stimulates the body and the mind, and there can be pleasurable experiences, but they're fleeting and never fulfilling. The material energy by nature is not filled with ananda or blissfulness. It's just by all this manipulation, you're told, well, this is, you know, <laughs> this is where I'm going to find happiness. I mean, the most ridiculous thing is New Year's Eve. Like it's like some actual event. It's just like, you know, it's a continuum of time. And it's like everybody's there counting down. Ten, nine. And they're getting all excited and there's anticipation and they got the drinks and six, five. Yeah. Happy New Year, grabbing each other, kissing. It's kind of like, hey, nothing's really going on here. And in a day from now, this will be like zero. And here you are working yourself up into a frenzy. Like this is the, yeah. You know, it's just like, oh, my God. Really? 
But everybody's doing it. So we feel we need to jump on that train too. And that will bring us to this experience, this situation. Oh my God, this is depressing. I have a a verse from a great ancient text here, but I'm kind of reluctant to read it. <laughs> uh, I know it's all right for you. It <laughs> may not be all right for others. But they had a very hard look at things. You know, there was this recognition that what we call our life is actually not really life. It is a moment in, you know, a, or a period in time between the birth of the body and the death of the body when the living being leaves. We call that time space our life. And we become utterly absorbed in it, looking to fill up all this emptiness and everything. But in, in the end, it was like, Oh my God, what was that all about? What was that really for? What did I actually achieve? You know, one will be faced with these heavy questions. And so usually what people do is just take out the old photo albums. You know, this was pre, this is going to be for the older dudes before the so-called smartphones, which are really dumb phones came along you know you get out the old and you look at that oh i remember when we did that and i remember when we did that and i remember my first girlfriend or boyfriend and i remember that time we snuck out and i remember when we this thing happened and there's just this constant dredging of moments of little boop boop you know little flashes of excitement but it's really kind of quite pointless. It hasn't brought me to a state of being completely fulfilled, utterly satisfied, experiencing profound experience of true spiritual happiness. In the... I... I, I, I I usually sound like a real critical person. <laughs> and it's because I am. <laughs> I'm critical of people trying to push BS on everyone, like the success merchants, like the pseudo-spiritualists. I, it deeply saddens me when people actually have, everyone has an innate desire for the things that I'm talking about, you know, perpetual, profound peacefulness and happiness, complete fulfillment, divine spiritual love that is unbelievably thrilling. We all desire these things. And what happens is people leverage off this. They know that there is an inner discontent. 
it it I, I get really upset by you know the advertising industry. They they recognized really early on that everybody feels this discontent within this lack of fulfillment, and they learned how to offer you products services, experiences, this will fill up the emptiness. You know, back in the early 70s, Coke came out with this statement, Coke is it. Anybody heard that? Or am I the oldest one in the room? Coke is it, you know. Yeah, we got one hand up, good. I'm not alone. Oh, we got like two. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> what do you mean by Coca's it? You know, this, is, this was the whole, this is how advertising is done. That it is the recognized emptiness that everybody is feeling. And then the association of a product or an experience that will fill up that empty space that, you know, I, I often refer to, a, I, I remember up in Southeast Asia, this just amazing cigarette commercial from the 70s. They had this girl with a Karen Carpenter voice. I mean, she sounded just like Karen Carpenter. And it was an advertisement for a cigarette, a luxury cigarette. <laughs> And it, the brand was hope. So it's not just politicians that are doing it. <laughs> the cigarettes were doing it before the politicians, hope. And the, the lyrics to the song was, there's a kind of hope when you light a hope. There's a kind of hope for you and me. At last, you've found what you've been looking for in hope, the luxury cigarette. And it was just like, it blew my mind that they could be so blatant. <laughs> but at least, I guess, honesty is the best policy. <laughs> you know, they're not dodging anything. They're not being crafty you know, and sort of like hiding in a subliminal way the same kind of messaging. But there was the recognition, at last, you've found what you've been looking for. You know, everybody is on a quest. We're truly all on a journey. But the, our problem is we don't know what the destination is. We haven't clearly identified it. And it's just like all these things that are being stuffed in our face and in our eyes and ears, you know, all of these messages, even, you know, the music is just full of messaging. I, I, I remember when I was doing a little thing on script writing for movies, there was this really famous guy that wrote a lot of highly successful movies. And the beginning of his class, he goes, why do people write movie scripts and everybody in the class has got all these you know things of why they think people write movies and he said the reason people write a movie 
is to influence your opinion. They want to offer a view on life, a value system that you should adopt. That blew everybody in the class. Their minds are blowing because oftentimes the script writers are actually unaware that that's what's going on, what's mo actually motivating. This guy had done a really deep psychological analysis. So there's all this messaging that we're constantly getting hit with in everything. And there are offerings. Everybody is offering to fill up that empty space, to give that which we desire. We are all on a quest. And real success from a spiritual perspective is to, number one, to clearly identify that and to come to understand what is it that will truly fulfill me? What is it? Where is that place? What is that experience where I will find ecstatic happiness? Where I will find true love? That will determine or define what success looks like. And then the second part of that is, okay, if that's identified, what is it that I need to do, which includes what is it that I need to avoid in order to get me there, get me to that destination. And that's about it. So tomorrow we will deal with the, this, we've identified, I hope, the problem and what is the actual solution. Even when you hear what is the solution, it's really not easy, it's challenging to embrace it. It's, in, it's challenging to embrace the activity that will actually get us to that space, that place, that experience. Because we're so deeply conditioned by all the crap. For so long we've been sold a false bill of sale. And it's kind of like, whoa, it's not easy to completely move beyond it. But the offer is for, and every single one of you, the offer is to become enlightened, to become self-realized and God-realized. And it's not like it's a, a foreign offer, it's something not connected with me. We're talking about uncovering what's actually there already your deep and eternal spiritual nature. Okay, any question? Was it worth showing up for or? Hopefully.
I feel a little bit like there's a need to make a little bit of a disclaimer here. Not one single one of those things I talked about came from my own mind or from me. These are amazing and eternal spiritual truths that have been shared since the most ancient of times by great spiritual teachers. I, I feel enormously blessed to, number one, encounter these spiritual teachings and to have them shared with me by, you know, true transcendentalists. And they have, you know, the process, the spiritual process, which is really focused around meditation and the use of spiritual sound, is so utterly transforming that it is kind of like, you know, anybody that's been in massively dense fog in the morning where you look and you can't even see, you know, six feet in front of you. And because of the presence of the sun as it rises in the morning, it begins to burn off the haze and the fog gradually begins to dissipate. And you can make out, oh, I can see the car parked over there. And then 15 minutes later, oh, I can see the hills now. You know, it's sort of like the fog is gradually lifting and dissipating. This spiritual process if engaged in, actually produces that result. Okay, all good. We'll just chant a little. I'll use the mantra Om Hari Om. Om Hari Om. Om Hari Om. Om Hari Om. Om Hari